0: To the food for thought podcast i'm andy hanasek senior editor of food processing jeff coltman is a vice president at katina solutions a supply chain focused consultancy with deep ties to the food and beverage space in today's episode of the food for thought podcast jeff gives his insights on the recently announced acquisition of hostess brands by jm smucker analyzing what it means for each of the companies involved its customers, and the industry at large. In addition, Jeff offers his thoughts on the MA landscape in the food and beverage industry today and in the near future. Enjoy this episode. Jeff thanks so much for joining us today on the food for thought podcast really appreciate your time and especially given the timeliness of the topic we're going to discuss today usually uh, the food for thought podcast there's a little more uh, leeway in between uh, when we record and post but today we have a very timely topic to discuss and that's the smuckers hostess deal Uh, wanted to get your take. Uh, you are willing to offer up your your thoughts and opinions, and we appreciate that. So, our listeners are ready to hear what you have to say and hear what we have to say about this. So let's let's jump in. Thanks again for for joining us. Definitely, Andy. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. All right. So, starting off, you know, give me your initial reaction. You know, Smucker's hostess these big deals, uh, you know, there's always a a shock uh, for for some people. Uh, What was your initial reaction uh, to the deal uh, when you heard about it? It's uh, it's interesting. You're, You're right to the market.
1: It may seem a surprise, but there is such a race and awareness of the entire larger food industry to be innovative and combine brands and find new avenues for uh, commercialization that truthfully was not surprised. And if anything, I was like, oh, there is another one. What's the next one coming? Um, it makes a ton of sense if you read through uh, the CEO of Smucker's decision to buy, why they were getting there, what they were going for, um, and as much as uh, being a Chicagoan and hostess is close and near and dear to our heart here. Um, the brand, their avenues makes a ton of sense for what Smucker is looking to do with diversifying their portfolio. So I guess in short, not surprised. Um, and nobody should be surprised moving forward with any new ones that that come
0: up. Well, and you bring up the hostess and Chicago uh, connection and everything. And I remember however many years ago it was before hostess was kind of rescued the uh all the headlines about oh no twinkies are going away and ho-hos oh no oh no uh talk a little bit about kind of the the resurrection of hostess over that long-term period was it in an impressive kind of rebuild in your eyes what what what's your take on that
1: great question
0: i mean if you think about it and it you know, I always say the
1: COVID years erased a number of of our memory, but it was a while ago that that actually happened, even though it probably feels more recent. So I think I don't have Google pulled up. I think it's probably 2013, 2014 was what we thought was the demise of Twinkies and Ho Hos and cupcakes, um, and to go from 2014 here to 2023 with multi billion dollar acquisition. Um, what a great deal for the private equity company that bought them. I mean, the turnaround, their turnaround from what they did in an organization to build value, to build um, a want and a need for another organization to then acquire them. Um, you know, Hostess isn't just going to be the brand that you see on the end cap at the gas station anymore. Uh, even though the pies are fantastic, and I am guilty of buying one or two of those apple pies uh, as I'm filling up my tank. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of a uh, commercialization retail mix of Hostess now, along with that C-Store feel for Smucker uh, products and that branding. Um, But in terms of the deal, its turnaround, it might be be a top 20 success story in terms of bankruptcy to profit, truthfully. And on top of
0: it, the food didn't taste any differently. (laughs) The Twinkies still tasted great.
1: I kept buying pies, I'm not going to lie to you. There is no difference uh, in how they made it, um, which also speaks to quality and food and safety and all of that. I think the people that were brought in that were a part of the deal, and I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable in terms of who acquired them and now eventually has sold them, um, but they did, they did a great job to maintain a brand, its quality, its flavor, what it's known for, um, and again, bring that value to a a larger organization where they see, reason for marriage
0: and you sort of just hinted at some of the implications but let's talk about those a little bit uh immediate short-term and long-term implications for for the companies themselves and what the industry in general what what are we going to see what out of this deal so as in, as a
1: consumer, I'm going to give you my hopes and wants. Maybe it's not so much it's fact, but maybe opinion and wants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Smucker owns a peanut butter brand. Hostess didn't have anything in jelly. You're going to start to see cross-collaboration now, right? How cool would it be to see a Hostess cupcake with Smucker jelly inside of it? How cool would it be to see a Twinkie bakery with uh, peanut butter? inside of it and all the other different things that Smucker is known for and Hostess is known for. So if you think of the products themselves, I think it's Jif peanut butter, Smucker jelly, all of the Hostess brands now start to combine those and cross pollinate those. Now your SKUs can grow exponentially as long as it makes sense on the innovation side of what they're doing. That's the product side, the business side of it. Um, I kind of touched on it. You're going to see more access for smucker brand items into convenience stores and that's that's what their ceo said the reason they did it was the commercialization and the avenue uh to diversify their their revenue through convenience stores that's gas stations your 7-elevens anything that's kind of that corner store that you're used to seeing a hostex product on now you can start to see a smucker product on that as well and then lastly, because Hostess, I think, was thought of mostly as that convenience store brand, you're going to be able to see that more now in a retail environment than just necessarily a small section, you know, next to the donuts. I think you're going to probably see more of that Hostess brand alongside those Smucker brands on the shelves at your, you know, your retail supermarket in one way or another. Longer term employment, Um I don't think in the short term you're going to see anything change between the organizations. Most of the time, in our experience with the organizations that we work with, it's going to be 18 months, two years, three years before you start to see um, redundancies removed between businesses, depending on what they decide and how they decide to run the businesses. Many times an organization is acquired and they're ran independently. Many times they're brought in as a platform and still put underneath the umbrella, but set up as a convenience store platform or a health snack platform. Hostess is not a health snack, but you know what I mean. Like they they will be put in a platform of an organization and kept that way. What's going to happen is they're going to map processes. They're going to, you know, they're always due diligence and, and due diligence and discovery ahead of an acquisition, um, but they're going to start to get into the details of those and map processes, distribution centers, agreements, what they're buying, how can we buy more in bulk? I mean, the 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 waterfall effect of those businesses means generally cost savings, optimization and learnings on both sides and how their businesses can be ran
0: better So, from your from your perspective um and especially with katina and where you guys are do you see a lot of i don't know not i hate using the word synergies right because but maybe overlap especially when it comes to you know when you talk about the retail versus c-store distribution benefits here do you see a, a pretty much a good puzzle fit right there or there's some there are a decent amount of overlap in in that from a
1: uh customer segmentation perspective or, or or a buyer segmentation perspective um there are pieces of the Smucker's jigsaw puzzle that Smucker that hostess fills without overlapping completely completely there's there's avenues of revenue that are not duplicated, which is why it made it such a perfect, reasonable acquisition for what they are doing. Um, In terms of positions, though, from the employment standpoint, there might be some overlap. Supply chain, finance, data, Depends on what is automated, what isn't automated already. What advances does Smuckers have that Hostess doesn't or operational advances that Hostess has that Smuckers doesn't? Um, That's yet to be told. Um, But it sounds like the purchase of the acquisition was for all of Hostess, not just certain parts that filled holes that they had. It sounds like their due diligence said that the whole thing filled puzzles that they were missing
0: okay cool all right so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, mergers and acquisitions overall in food and beverage Uh, the M&A activity seems to be a little bit um, kind of on an upswing lately uh, at least in food and beverage anyway Uh, what what do you guys see as driving that uptick where where is where is all this uh Pot- potential energy becoming kinetic energy in the m and a world.
1: yeah, it's great. It's a great question. Um, in our experience, m and a has always been a part of food and beverage. But what is happening is that there is such a change in consumer demand and what they are wanting and the variety of what they are wanting at a faster pace that the larger food brands, the larger food companies are needing to quickly decide, are we going to personally innovate or is our innovation through M&A work? Constantly evaluating the kombucha. What is this brand? How are we going to keep up with it as a beverage company? Health snacks, uh, frozen health environment, The the the... Uh, Food and beverage world of consistency is no longer consistent by any means. People want more. They want more variety. And there's different areas that um, consumers, especially younger generations, are being empowered to buy at and and from. Um, That mixed with um, R&D. Uh, development is easier and faster to come by, but generally the business decision of do we compete with it by making it our own once something hits the market? How do we differentiate it enough to be our own while also be able to target that market? Or does it make sense just to acquire it and then fold it into the brands that we already have? Um, and that's just happening at a faster pace, I believe, than before, but Acquisition M and A has always been a part of of food and beverage companies in general. It goes back with Pepsi buying Gatorade, and then Coke having to compete with Gatorade. And what do they buy? I mean, the back and forth between the competitors has always been in food and beverage. I just think that there is a bigger spotlight on it with the speed to market now. That's why.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned because we just had our uh, top 100 processors uh, article and actually the other day I was on a webinar. Dave Fusaro, our editor in chief, and I uh, presented. He did most of the presenting. He he let me have a slide or two, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about the uh, mergers and acquisitions and how, you know, obviously they don't all work out, right. But um, he said something along the lines, similar to what you just said, where, you know, Hormel Foods bought Applegate Farms way back when, instead of competing with them and developing their own, they went and got them, you know, and, and, and there were numerous other examples, but um, it's very interesting to see. But then you look at, post holdings coming out and grabbing the pet food business that they they snagged earlier this year and pet food how that kind of fits all into everything it's it's very very interesting um and it's and it's not even just like you know Hormel Applegate is one of those but it's not just the big companies snapping up the small companies anymore it's a mix and match i mean do you see a lot of that Am I am I off base in, in oh, saying any of that? Okay. No, no, I <laughs> I think um, you are
1: correct, and we even have what they call collaborations, where maybe they don't acquire them, but they sign agreement to have a piece of their product in another part of their product. You know, you have, um, oh, I can't even think of a good collaboration right now, but you're seeing at a smaller scale, even take microbreweries. Let's go there. Microbreweries. You will see a microbrewery that you know, so the Chicagoland area, Haymarket Brewery, know it well. They do a collaboration with Revolution Brewery, and they both go to market with it. It doesn't matter the size of the organization in food and beverage. They're just dealing with different decimal points. That's that's it, truly. If anything, it is consumer-focused, consumer-based. What is the consumer going to want, and how do we make that happen? And at the end of the day, everybody eats, everybody drinks. So there's just constant race to make sure that for the public companies, their shareholders are seeing value, and for the private companies, that they're maintaining market, market uh, evaluation. That's about it. It's 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 fun to see at every level across food and beverage. Private um, equity is going to buy the smaller ones to build them up and sell them off. Private companies, once they get big enough, are going to have to decide: do we sell or how do we exponentially grow? On top of that, how do we remove liability? You know, you have things like uh, Bang Energy, who grew so quickly. They had a ton of liability. Monster buys them. Coke owns a piece of Monster. How do we integrate them? How do we bottle them? I mean, you follow the breadcrumbs back to everything and it kind of connects to everybody else. It is it is a web. It is no chain
0: for sure um, in in food and beverage. Yeah, that bang energy story. Boy, I wrote several of the news stories for our website this past few months, and that was uh that was a rabbit hole and a half to go down and like find out, figure out all the back story information and everything involved there. So yeah, it's I, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> all of it
1: comes with change. We are signed to a number of different NDAs, so I can't speak speak specifically. But in the food and beverage world, transformation in general is happening at lightning pace across everything: automation, production people analytics demand planning change management adoption all of that is affecting the people of the organizations and the consumers that are out there that change is going to continue in an m a position it's going to continue in new products to market it's going to continue in value to to the consumer safety food safety is going through an evolution and transformation as well in a positive way then you start adding blockchain, and I mean the 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 science fiction behind what is actually happening in food and beverage behind the scenes is is very real. It's very real,
0: and it's wild. It's an
1: exciting time
0: in a lot of different ways. It definitely is, yeah. So what what other long term trends do you see with M and A here, moving and moving forward in food and beverage? Do you see any of? Uh... Do you see anything on the horizon? You know, we just went through uh, a year and a half where inflation took over the headlines and things like that. Do you see anything like that that you feel could or may affect M and A and food and beverage? And if so, you know what? What should we expect? Or, or you know what can we what can we uh, look for when we're waiting to read the headlines? <laughs> What's really
1: interesting about food and beverage is that it is the smaller organizations that set the landscape for the larger ones, truthfully. Hyde hits the market years ago as this health bar, and then it, then it gets acquired by, by Mars, right? Uh, Cliff sets the market years ago, and then it gets acquired by Mondelez. To follow the trends of what is going to happen in the M&A space, go follow the new new, new products on the market. What finally hits a shelf for the first time at your grocery store? That's the thing to follow to see if it's setting a trend and moving forward. Um, you're seeing sparkling water obviously but the newer trend is the the probiotic or the the health side of the the seltzer waters that are coming out the olipops the the sweet water all of that is going to be a newer trend uh to market it is not just the seltzer water anymore it is the health side of seltzers now that is in the market um generally speaking if you see something new in the grocery store do research on it there's there's going to be a trend that follows that in the future if it catches
0: what what do you think about all this m a and then the the kind of anti the antithesis or the anti to that um this concept of big food right we've got uh we've got the government cracking down on the big meat packers again seems cyclical you know and and all of that i don't know that they'll ever be able to break them up or anything along those lines but you know the more these big companies and food suck up the little guys the more big food is created right and and nobody likes big food except for big food itself or if you know there was a pandemic and you had had to find ways to get food but what what where does do you think that has any impact on any of this at all yeah it's it's a um it's
1: a great question and to go back to your trend part
0: the little guys
1: are doing things sustainably and they are hitting the market with technologies that or ways of manufacturing that becomes innovative for the entire industry when the larger Big Foods, now I'm, I'm a fan of the Big Foods, and I'll explain why. Um, besides segment of our business, uh, it is an area where innovation really happens, and there's there's two different types of innovation. There's product innovation, but then there's process innovation. And that is where you're speaking of, well, the big food and it's it's, you know, it's dangerous to the environment or how they're doing it. It it very sustainable. I would actually argue that the resources that are bidding being put forward by big food towards tracking scope, three emissions and reusable or uh, sustainable packaging or using and identifying the technology around different ways to automate processes that reduce carbon emissions. There is a ton of trend that goes into the operations of these businesses. Um, And many times it's not the product itself that's being acquired that the Gen Zers and the millennials and itself are buying, but it's the marketing and the awareness behind how those products are being made that then the larger companies have to compete with. If you have the smaller brand that is sitting on the shelf and it's being bought because of their go to market around it being sustainable and the larger guys and girls aren't being sustainable. Well, now they're having to compete in a segment that they didn't even know existed, which then furthers change in that cyclical process. So yes proteins as you brought up is an area that's being identified uh, but primarily a lot of that identification comes behind the carbon emissions because that's what's on top of the government's head in terms of scope three and carbon carbon dioxide and um everything as we talk about sustainability in that sense but when you're talking about food and food production in general you're gonna that that's gonna be the new one moving forward it's not so much mna but what are the um sustainable processes that can be brought to market by maybe some of the smaller ones that'll force the bigger ones to adopt
0: I agree with you I've covered sustainability you know especially in meat and poultry for many many years and I think people don't realize that it starts at the plant level you know and it starts small and then it gets bigger from there there's no and and if you go to a Tyson Foods they're not rolling some initiative out across everything all at once. They're doing it on a plant by plant basis, perfecting it. And then they take their power of size and roll it out to everybody. And that's where they make the impact. So I agree with you. I'm not I'm not anti big food myself, but uh, it's it's just interesting to see. And obviously we've got elections coming up. So, you know, we're going to see those kinds of things cropping up too. So um, any other tips, advice uh, you'd give our listeners who are in the food industry, who are at some of these big and small processors with regard to what to look forward to here as 23 ends and 24 begins? Yes. Acquisitions are not going to slow down. Every
1: Um, company has it a part of their strategy to diversify portfolios and meet customer demand. And in the best way possible, the ones that are driving new change in consumer habits are going to come from the smaller entry to the market that then catches fire or the attention of those larger brands to like as like we talked about before, either deciding to do it themselves and create a new facility or a new line in order to compete, or just to acquire and absorb uh, at that stance. Um, in terms of general trends across the industry, I think you're going to see robotics become a big piece, uh, autonomous robotics become a big piece of manufacturing. We know of a number of firms that are going with different areas of of autonomous robotics across their plants um, and then utilizing that data to make better, smarter, faster decisions for what they are doing. Um, and the learnings of inventory in general with a product that has a shelf life, demand planning, uh, sales planning, planning in general is the next transformation for a number of organizations in food and beverage moving forward. And that planning then adds value in terms of who is being acquired and what do you need and then matching the that type of um Predictive analytics, if you will, or 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 known analytics uh, across their discovery to make those decisions. So I think that we are at a very cool point in food and beverage. I think exponentially, it's just going to continue to grow um, as an in a industry and as things continue to develop to become better, faster, healthier, uh, and better for everybody who's consuming them.
0: For everyone listening in today to our Food for Thought podcast, thanks for tuning into this episode. You can find more of our podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future and have a great day.